Two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 399. Welcome in. One more to 400. It's funny, I've actually got one, two, three, four episodes already recorded. That I, I all I need to record is like the welcome in. It's episode blank. The interview today is with such and such. And man, it's so hard. This time of year is so difficult. And it's funny. I, uh, I don't know. I, I just it's so busy. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get these edited and put them out. But they're really good interviews. I'm excited to put them out at some point. Uh, the news of the day today, surprisingly, not in the sports world. Obviously, I, I start every show with something kind of fun to ease in. Um, so the drilling. If anyone has been following, if you listen to the show regularly, you know that downstairs they're renovating the apartment below me. And in fact, actually, it's more than that. The The water system behind the building has been entirely ripped out and they're putting a new one in because there was a big leak. And so I'm told the drilling is supposed to stop next week. Now, today I sat down to record and I'm not kidding, like within seconds of sitting down and hitting the power button on my camera. Uh, well, I guess I turned the power button on. I sat down. Then I hit the record button with my little remote control. Anyway, I sat down. And I just started going. I'm like, I'm like oh, you got to be kidding me. I, find, I was so excited. I'm like, show's going to come out. And it, it works out anyway because right now it's 2.21 in the morning, meaning that it's like 8 a.m. on the East Coast, 5 a.m. on the West Coast. So this will come out Saturday morning. It is what it is. Uh, we do have a topic about college football. That'll be weird, but it'll it'll work out. Uh, so anyway, I sat down and recorded. I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. And so... I ended up going to see the movie Dune. And let me tell you guys, the movie Dune is amazing. It, it's one of my favorite movies I've seen in a long, long time. It gave me the same feeling as when I saw, basically, it's Fellowship of the Ring. Don't expect it to be a, a, a movie that has a, an end where they put a nice bow on it. It ends with a cliffhanger. It ends with, like, you want more. And that that's good because I, I just thought it was, like, the intro to a brand new franchise. And I, I'm not kidding when I say Dune gave me the same feeling as watching Lord of the Rings for the first time or Harry Potter or Star Wars. I'm like, oh, this is a world I cannot wait to explore. It's it's a magical, fantastic movie. Really, really well done. Um, I saw James Bond last night as well, by the way. James Bond didn't do it for me. Like, I, I, I get it, and I understand my... I, I really, I fell asleep. Like I, I felt horrible, and maybe because I'm tired and I work all the time, that's why I fell asleep. I'm in the comfortable reclining chair at the theater. But James Bond was, it didn't do it for me. Dune is like monumentally better than James Bond. Uh, other weird side note: if you are, if you're a gamer, I love video games, and I play on Nintendo Switch a lot. Uh, not a lot, but if I do play, that's what I've been, I like. My games now are all in totes right now. I haven't even set up my, any of my other consoles. My Switch is so easy to set up. I've done that. Uh, I bought a game on Switch called Trigger Witch, Trigger Witch, and it's fifteen bucks, dude. What a what a it's a top down Zelda style game with guns, and it's oh, it's like a fantasy world with guns, and it's cute and it's fun. I know the guy who wrote it actually DM'd him on Twitter. Uh, not a not a sponsor, just a great game. Tr- Trigger Witch, it's fifteen bucks. Played on Switch. Gosh, what a I think it's everywhere, but it's a really really fantastic game. Uh, now one big news story today. We'll say this briefly. The Houston Astros are headed to the World Series. They beat the Boston Red Sox uh, earlier on Friday night. It's awful. I hate. I hate. I hate Houston. Uh, what I want is now. I want Atlanta to play Houston in the World Series. I've watched basically no baseball all year, but I do love baseball, and I will watch the World Series because 
Like, so, I, I, I don't care if my audience wants to hear about it or not. I, if I'll, I'll bury it at the end of the show if that's what it takes. I'll just say, like, last topic, you can skip it if you want. World Series talk. I love, I love playoff baseball. I've been sad I haven't watched more of it. I really kind of wish that if playoff baseball was in August instead of in October, I would watch it way more because I, I'm busy with football. I can't have time to turn on random baseball games. But the World Series is like, okay, I can prioritize six, seven, five games at the end of the baseball season and... I am rooting for. I want Atlanta to play Houston. And I want Atlanta to win. I want Atlanta to win four games to nothing. I hate Houston. Although I will say it's kind of interesting, like having a having a Houston team that's a villain does make me want to watch more. Actually, because I'm watching, hoping they lose. So, in in a weird way, uh, and I hate them because they cheated and didn't get punished very harshly, and it, it frustrates me to no end. I will say, like having a Houston Astros team be a really significant villain. That's powerful. That's a good storyline. So I am rooting for anyone to beat Houston. I don't care who who does it, but I wouldn't mind if it was Atlanta. And uh, man, that, the World Series is going to be interesting. I, I, you may not, If you don't even like baseball that much, I guarantee like you can get into it for one series because the World Series every time is so tense and interesting and playoff baseball. Like, my voice cracked. You hear that? Playoff baseball, really any playoff sport, but playoff baseball especially is fantastic. How about that voice crack? That's that's that hasn't happened to me in a while. It's like I I finished puberty fully like years ago. <laughs> I, I don't know why that happens. I, I really there's probably some science behind it. If anyone knows, write in. Let me know. Um, I want to offer a correction to start today. Last episode, I was talking about when the Tennessee Titans beat the sorry, excuse me, when the New York Jets beat the Tennessee Titans. I was talking about when the Jets beat Tennessee. And I, I couldn't remember if that game was in London or not. I think I ultimately was like, oh, it was, I think I decided it was in London. I'm like, I'll pick a side here. It was not. Uh, the Jets game in London was against Atlanta. So correction there, the game was in London against Atlanta, not against Tennessee for the Jets. Let's talk about Thursday Night Football. On Thursday Night Football, the Cleveland Browns beat the Denver Broncos 17-14. to I don't have a lot to say. It's a... This was a game Denver could not afford to lose. It was very, very frustrating and kind of devastating. Like, the Browns have a ton of injuries. Their starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield, isn't playing. Both the running backs are out. Injuries injuries everywhere. Like, one of their most impactful players, linebacker, Owusu uh, uh, Koromoa, whatever. Joseph? I forget his first name. Jeremiah. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, linebacker, was out. I blank on names sometimes. It's just, it's not like I don't know him. I just, I, it's hard to talk for a living. Um, anyway, the Browns are... Injuries galore, no starting quarterback, no, like, their offense had, like, three starters on it that were healthy. And uh, if you're Denver, you've lost three in a row, and then Denver lost again. It's horrible. After a 3-0 start, Denver now has lost four games in a row, which is terrible. And uh, we know now the good start for Denver was because they played three bad teams to start the year. They played the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Giants. Each of those teams has one win you know, each of them has one win. So it's just, I almost said all combined that, you know, they, they each have one win. The, the Jaguars and Giants are one and five. The Jets are one and four, had their bye week last week. It's so disappointing because the Denver Broncos clearly have so much talent and they're unable to win. It's like, oh my gosh. And what they need in Denver is a better head coach and a better plan at the quarterback position. Teddy Bridgewater had a really bad, ugly interception in the end zone. Like he's not awful. But Teddy Bridgewater's a backup. We've seen enough now. We watched him in Carolina. 
We've seen him in Denver now. Like he's got a good roster around him. Teddy Bridgewater can't win in Denver with a lot of help. And so to me, that's a backup quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater's a guy you would not build around. You, he, if your starting quarterback gets hurt, he can win you a game or two. But you don't want to have Teddy Bridgewater as your franchise quarterback or your starting quarterback for an entire season even. And, man, this is a team the Denver Broncos passed on. Not only Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Brett Coleman the other day reminded me, oh, yeah, in 2018, uh, they drafted defensive end Bradley Chubb rather than Josh Allen. Oh, 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 what if it's frustrating. It's a facepalm. If you're a Broncos fan, uh, here's what I saw. I saw the Twitter exchange between Brandon Perna of That's Good Sports. He said, basically, is there anything more depressing than losing however he did? And uh, Brett Coleman just replied with a picture, a screenshot of the 2018 draft saying, yeah, I remember you guys drafted Bradley Chubb over Josh Allen. Imagine, imagine if Denver had Josh Allen right now. Now, would he have developed the same way? I don't know. I don't really trust any coaching in, in Denver. But, man, Broncos fans are, they have to be at an all-time low. And there was a moment where it looked like Denver, the beginning of the third quarter, right after halftime, it looked like Denver was going to play Drew Lockett quarterback. And, nope. They're like, ah, we like what's going on. Let's, let's leave it here. We think, we think Teddy's doing great. <laughs> they did not make a change at quarterback. I'm like, what, why? What, what's happening? I don't understand. And there's not a lot more to be said. I mean, context cannot save Vic Fangio at this point. I... Whenever, like, outcomes are outcomes do matter. I always try to say, like, hey, I, I listen to context and outcomes. A lot of people only focus on the outcome. And I remember when, when Denver lost to the Ravens a couple weeks ago, I said, well, let's see. How much does this loss mean? We don't, we don't know yet because Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, didn't play for half the game. Maybe Denver is good and Teddy Bridgewater is necessary for them to win. No, clearly, with Teddy, without Teddy, they're awful. And it's... A lot of it is because the, they're held back by a quarterback and a coaching staff that, oh man, I don't know. You, you can't lose that game. Denver could not afford to lose to Cleveland, who is depleted, and it, it's so, so bad in Denver. There's so much potential there. There's good players all over the place, and uh, what they need in Denver is a better coach and a better quarterback. And uh, I, I, it's, it's pretty obvious and clear. Like, I would be shocked if it, Vic Fangio kept his job. I don't know why you would fire him midseason. I think all that does is make things even harder for everybody. So I, I wouldn't fire Vic Fangio now unless you think it can get you a head start on hiring your next coach. Like, if you have a guy in mind and you're like, hey, we're going to fire a guy. Like, last year, was it two years ago, Washington fired their coach early to hire Ron Rivera, like, at Thanksgiving. Because they're like, we want to make get a head start on hiring our next head coach. So... If that's what happens for Denver, that's great. But, man, I, I'm really interested what kind of changes will happen. It's pretty clear, like, Vic Fangio needed Aaron Rodgers to save his save his whole, like, deal in Denver. And the difference, imagine if Denver had Aaron Rodgers instead of Teddy Bridgewater. How different we would be talking about the Broncos and uh, how things might have played out. Or, or think of what if Vic Fangio stayed in Chicago as a defensive coordinator there, who is playing great. Like, a lot of people say Vic Fangio is the reason why Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, won Coach of the Year that year. So, a lot of, a lot of what-ifs, man. What, what if Pat Shermer, the, uh, the offensive coordinator in Denver, had stayed in Minnesota as offensive coordinator rather than going to the Giants as head coach? I mean, it's, there's so many. I love the what-if questions. And, Pat, you know, Pat Shermer probably wouldn't have done as well because, you know, they, they didn't really have a quarterback. He left, and they didn't have a quarterback. So, uh, you know, they, they had to end up trading for Kirk Cousins ultimately to get themselves a guy because Case Keenum, 
uh, wasn't the guy there, and Teddy left, and Sam Bradford got hurt. But man, I it's just sad how Denver so clearly is a, a team with potential that's being wasted with the wrong people in charge and, and at the top in Denver. Now, for the Browns, uh, winning on Thursday Night Football is a great win. They survived a situation where they had a ton of injuries. Their starting quarterback was out. Like, if your starting quarterback is out and you win, that's always a good thing. And because it was a Thursday night game, now they have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the, and a longer week, basically, leading up to their next game for guys to rest and try to get healthy. And they're banged up. They need the rest. So, uh, you know, the Thursday night game, they, you know, because they won, it ended up being exactly what they needed. They got a win, and they got a long rest period, basically. Case Keenum, the backup quarterback in Cleveland, played really well. Baker Mayfield was hurt. He came in. And uh, really, it showed why Case Keenum is kind of the perfect backup. He's a guy you would not build around. But what he can do is if your starting quarterback gets hurt, he can come in and win a game or two with your guy out. And, I mean, there was a a play. The interception didn't count. The guy was out of bounds. But Case threw a terrible deep ball down the left sideline, rolling out, trying to, like, late. Not enough air under, like, clearly Case Keenum has a limited arm and is not a guy you should build your franchise around. But he does do some good stuff, and uh, I I like seeing that. Now, Browns running back Dearness Johnson had a big night. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, the two running backs in Cleveland, were both hurt. So their backup running back, I guess their backup, backup running back had to play Dearness Johnson. He had 22 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown. He was an Alliance of American football player. Like, he had to DM every AAF team to try to get on their roster to get himself an opportunity. By the way, that's a crazy story. Like, it, it, if you never ask, the answer is always no. And I, I, I reached out to someone recently for, you know, saying, like, hey, I have an idea. I think we could work together. And um, that, you know, man, like, I, ah, ah. if you never ask, the answer is always no. And so uh, I just, I really like that. Dearness story is a, a story of a guy who made sure he's like, I'm going to leave everything on the table, make sure I, I try everything, no stone unturned, try to make my opportunity. And when he got an opportunity here on Thursday Night Football, he made the most of it. He's an undrafted third year player out of South Florida who, man, like Dearness Johnson running for 146 yards on Thursday Night Football, what that does really is further makes my point that you should never draft a running back in the top 10. It's archaic thinking. And that it puts. To shame so much Dave Gettleman, the general manager in New York, where it's like, man, this guy, he's just behind the times when he drafted Saquon Barkley in 2018. And it's crazy to think that Denver, by the way, lost to a bunch of Browns backups. Like, oh, Denver. Denver's the story here. Like, Denver, Cleveland, good for them. They survived uh, a bad situation. They got out with a win. Great for them. But Denver is a sad story here of a team that, just like refuses to win football games. I'm like, I, I, I don't, what are you doing? I, I can't understand. And um, it's sad. Cortland Sutton, by the way, had a great catch on the right sideline. I want to give a shout out to him. I always try to share like a final note. Cortland Sutton, the talent is there in Denver. Like they just need a quarterback and I think they need a better head coach. And like, how crazy is it that like Brandon, I think of Brandon Staley in LA with the Chargers. He's a fantastic young coach. And what if Denver had him instead? What if I, I just, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. Now, it helps that L.A. has Justin Herbert and a good roster, but hmm, there's so many possibilities. Like, maybe I should do a redrafting the Broncos and, and give them Josh Allen. See what happens there. Like, that'd be kind of fun. I don't know. 
people, a lot of people, when I did my, my redrafting the Giants topic, I had fun with it. Like the point was to be like, what if, and have fun. And um, it, it's clearly not realistic. I said that multiple times. Like I, I literally compared myself to Marty McFly time traveling. It's, it's fun. All the people that got mad, like, this is unrealistic. I'm like, dude, you totally like fail. You missed the point. The point isn't to, it's not even like great critique of, I, I hate Dave Gettleman's drafting Saquon Barkley. The other picks are kind of cherry picking, like what could have happened better. But the point wasn't even necessarily to hate on Dave Gettleman. The point was to have fun and like talk about, man, imagine if they drafted better, what could have been in New York. So um, I talk about the Giants all the time, man. Maybe I'm like a closeted Giants fan. I definitely love – I think the reason why I talk about Giants so much is because their fan base is fun to me. Like I've been to New York. I've been to Dallas, but Dallas is just mean, and New York is – they're mean too, but they also have like they're, – they have they're – like Cowboys fans will tell you every year, this is our year to win the Super Bowl. And that, that, that strikes a chord with me where I'm like, okay, well, you, you're angry, but you're also unrealistic. Giants fans are angry. But they're also realistic. Like, if their team has no shot, they're going to tell you, we suck and we hate it. We're angry about it. But there, there's a reality that the Giants fans live in a little more than Cowboys fans. And uh, I don't know. I, I just really like Giants fans. I, maybe that's – and maybe New York sports fans in general. Giants, Philly. Like, Dallas is good, too. Um, those are definitely my three favorite cities for sports. Dallas, Philly, and New York. And, I, like, I talk nationally. And I, I interact with every fan base on some level. But – those three cities have people who are passionate and they, they will both love you and hate you depending on the day. And I, and I think that's very fair. Like, I don't mind that actually. Like if I'm wrong about the Eagles, they, Oh, their fans will let me know. But when I say stuff, they agree with, they also love up on me. Like the same people that criticize me also love me. And I think that that's really fair and fun. And I don't, I don't mind the hatred as long as, when I say stuff you like or agree with or that I'm right about, you also follow it up with, hey, well, that's, that's also a good point. So I don't know. I, I really like the way that – no one would ever think of Philly as a smart fan. <laughs> it's kind of – because they're, they're toxic and crazy. But there is some intelligence there to, to be able to do both. Like the thought that you can both criticize and praise the same person. As a lot of people can't even get to the nuance. Like if, you, if they hate you, you're bad, and that's it. And they can't criticize you and also be interested in other stuff you have to say. Like, they can't, they can't move past the hatred. A lot of people just like, – I, people will be like, ah, oh, you said one thing I disagree with. Unsubscribe. Well, Philly fans, they stay subscribed. They just yell and are angry. And I don't – it's fair enough, man. Like, I, I, I respect that. So, I don't know. I'm rambling now, but sports I, – I, I, I just love fan bases that are passionate and care. That's really the, the, the thing here is if you're like a, a Minnesota Timberwolves fan – you're not passionate. Uh, maybe you are, because there's not very many of them, I would assume. But <laughs> that's a funny thought. Um, let's move on. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. As of this moment, I'm recording on Friday night, October 22nd. Technically, it's actually Saturday, October 23rd, 2.39 a.m. I, I guarantee you nothing will change between 2.39 a.m. and when this episode comes out, at minimum. Uh, the, the point is that, you know, I want to, I'm really curious to see how the list will change as the year goes on. Like, by the end of the year, are the nine teams that I think are Super Bowl contenders going to still be Super Bowl contenders? But currently, I believe one of these nine teams will win the Super Bowl. Buffalo with the Bills, 
the Baltimore Ravens, the LA Chargers, Kansas City, the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, the Buccaneers, number eight, the Arizona Cardinals, and number nine, the LA Rams. One of those nine teams will win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Now, one team that during the preseason I would have expected to be on this list is Cleveland. But Baker hasn't played great. Uh, you know, we're in contract conversation with Baker Mayfield and not we, but like there's the conversation, like, what would you pay Baker? And it's like, well, Baker hasn't played great. He's played okay. He's done some good stuff, done some bad stuff. And Baker needs to play better for them to be considered a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. And also they're injured. Like the, the advantage the Browns have is they've got a great roster. Well, the great roster doesn't matter if all those guys are injured and your quarterback isn't playing great. So uh, to, right now, there's too many better teams with fewer problems and a better quarterback than Cleveland. So that's why I do not have Cleveland as a Super Bowl contender right now. I also expected the Colts and the Patriots to be in the conversation. Uh, currently, they're both two and four. We'll see if, like, the year isn't over. We're only six games in. Certainly, like, New England could go on a run. Maybe, maybe like, suddenly, a, 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 you know, a switch flips and Mac Jones is amazing, has no more mistakes, and the defense plays lights out. Like, I don't want to count out New England and Indianapolis just yet. Like, Indy's getting more healthy, kind of. I don't know. I really think that the future is bright for Indy and New, New England, but this year I, I think I overestimated how good they would be in their first year with new quarterbacks. Now, let's talk about the nine Super Bowl contenders so far. Number one, the Cardinals are 6-0, and likely to go 7-0 and after playing Houston this weekend. That is the J.J. Watt revenge game him against his former franchise the quarterback in Arizona Kyler Murray is the MVP frontrunner he's fantastic and they've got so many weapons on offense including uh, arguably the best receiver in the NFL DeAndre Hopkins so Arizona is a they have yet to slip up and um, I mean I guess they technically won a game because someone missed a field was it Minnesota I believe uh, so, someone can correct me there if I'm wrong the, don't bet on that but I, I it's not quite right to say that they haven't slipped up at all. They almost lost one game, but I mean, seven and zero is a big deal. And Arizona, um, I mean, they'll, they'll come back down to earth. They're not going to go undefeated this year, but definitely Arizona is a Super Bowl contender and should be one of the top front runners right now. Tampa's five and one. The Buccaneers' weakness is their injuries in the secondary. Like the injuries in the secondary right now for Tampa are, it's hurting them, and, and they are giving up too many yards and. Uh, I worry when they play a better team. Like, if the injuries persist and they play a team like Arizona in the playoffs, they're going to get annihilated. So, uh, aside from that, though, Tampa might be the most, you know, aside from a major glaring flaw, their secondary. Tampa might be the most complete football team in the NFL. Uh, they've got a shot to win back-to-back titles with Tom Brady. I, they do everything well. Again, the secondary is a problem, but I, I, Tampa's definitely a Super Bowl contender. They will be in the conversation come the end of the year. I have no doubt about that. The Baltimore Ravens are 5-1, five and, and I remember when injuries kept piling up earlier this year. I mean, their offensive tackle just got injured out for the year. So, But I remember during the preseason, like their running back room got eviscerated. And I'm like, man, I'm getting more and more worried about this Ravens team. Well, uh, their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, said, nah, no worry. It's all good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, you know, to just glue everything together myself and fix it. Uh, he gets better and better as the year goes on, and the Ravens are 5-1. and one. They they smashed. I still haven't watched the. I'm watching that tomorrow morning, probably right after. I, I, I feel like every episode I say I'm going to watch the Chargers Ravens game right after this. But I really am planning to watch that because I, I, whether I record about it or not, I really need to have some understanding of how did Baltimore destroy the Chargers. That's an, a surprising win to me. Still, I want to watch that game 
Uh, but the Ravens are definitely a Super Bowl contender. Now, the LA Rams are 5-1. and one. They traded for quarterback Matthew Stafford uh, this offseason. Is he the best quarterback in the NFL? No. There definitely are a couple guys who are better than, uh, you know, a couple guys that are better than Stafford right now. Uh, but Stafford is a huge upgrade, undoubtedly, over the former quarterback in L.A., Jared Goff, and he's making a big impact. I mean, there are there's some mistakes that Matthew Stafford has made, but he also has done some stuff that Jared Goff would never do. And uh, Matthew Stafford, the new quarterback, paired up with their head coach, Sean McVay, has been a huge home run together in Los Angeles. Okay, uh, how about, let's see, Dallas is 5-1, and one, and I was really, really wrong about them during the NFL preseason. I need to do a topic about that and, and really break down, like, not only that I was wrong, but why and what happened that made me wrong so far this year. There's a bunch of good pieces around Dak Prescott, the Cowboys quarterback. He is so, so much better. Like, Dak was always good. He's been, like, top five great in the NFL this year. He's, he got way better, in my opinion, this offseason, and... uh Man, Dallas is not a Super Bowl frontrunner. Like, they're not the number one team in the NFL. But they're definitely a Super Bowl contender. And this is a Dallas team that, I mean, they've got a great offense. They've got the, their offensive line needs to stay healthy. They've got an older offensive line. That concerns me. Um, but, like, that, every team you can say, I guess. I mean, that's one of my criticisms of Dallas was, like, I'm worried about re- injuries. Well, basically, every team in the NFL, you could say, what if they get hurt? So that's maybe a, a, a like like, a weak criticism. Or a weak concern with Dallas, but man, Dallas, if, man, this is a team that could make a deep playoff run. I have no doubt about it. I watch what they do, and remember, they barely, barely lost to Tampa at the beginning of the year, and I think we would all consider Tampa to be one of the better teams in the league. So I have been monumentally impressed with the Dallas Cowboys. They're 5-1 and one and for sure a Super Bowl contender. The Bills are 4-2. and two. They lost a close game to Tennessee on Monday Night Football last week. Small details cost them in that game, and I worry that that could be a theme we see later in the year. Regardless, though, Buffalo is dangerous. They've got a lot of talent in Buffalo. Their young quarterback, Josh Allen, is so, so good. Probably him, Justin Herbert, or Lamar Jackson are like the three best. Kyler Murray, I guess, man, there's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the NFL, but the point is Josh Allen's amazing and one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL and, uh, I mean, Dallas, sorry, Dallas, Buffalo got better. Like, this offseason, Buffalo made a deep playoff run. They lost in the AFC title game to Kansas City. And then they upgraded a lot of positions on their roster, including their defensive line. And I love the way they rotate on the defensive line. So they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, who's made a huge impact. Uh, Dalton Knox is having a breakout year at tight end. The Bills are 4-2, and two, and they are certainly a Super Bowl contender. The L.A. Chargers, the other team in L.A., they're 4-2. and two. I really want Bills and Chargers or maybe Chargers and Ravens in the AFC title game. Like uh, some kind of combination of Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson. One of those, two of those three playing each other in the AFC title game would be amazing. Like the game to get into the Super Bowl, I'd be like, ah, it's amazing football. The Chargers are awesome. And we all know Justin Herbert, their quarterback, is insanely good. But one of the... I don't know if it's a surprise. It is a surprise. I, I didn't know what to expect from Brandon Staley. He's a, a rookie head coach. The rookie head coach in LA, Brandon Staley, seems like already a massively good hire. I like him. He's been, he seems like a great dude, like the way he delivers messages. He also is fantastic at in-game decision-making, when to go for it on fourth down, when to punt, when to kick a field goal, that kind of stuff, when to throw a challenge flag. 
the players like and like Brandon Staley is the story of the year so far for the Chargers and uh he is a big part of why they have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. Now don't forget about Green Bay. Green Bay is 5 and 1. They can beat anybody. This could be Aaron Rodgers' final year as the quarterback there with the Packers. It's hard to know if it is the final year for Aaron Rodgers. He is going out in style. He's fantastic and the Packers basically do everything well. Now the one thing I want to say is and this is a Maybe it's silly to talk about because I don't think it's going to happen, but it's still a fun thought. Imagine if the Packers traded for Odell Beckham Jr., the Browns receiver, at the trade deadline. Like, think of where where that could potentially take their offense moving forward. I'm like, I, man, imagine that. Imagine if the Browns, I don't think the Browns would do it either. I, I don't know why they would, but Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. certainly has. It's a mix of he's been underwhelming and then a mix of like, the way he's getting targeted in Cleveland is also frustrating. Like I called him overrated the other day. Part of that though, is that like, so he, he's not making the most of the opportunities he's getting, I, I believe, but he's also not getting very many opportunities. Like when you get four balls thrown to you all game and you miss one in a key situation, I'm like, well, why didn't you launch it deep to him? Like way more throughout the entire game. So my weird hypothetical fun thought is imagine if the Packers who will not make this trade, I don't think they have the gumption to make that happen. But imagine, gumption, that's a big throwback word. Imagine if the Packers traded for Odell Beckham Jr. How fun that would be. Someone's got to, someone open up Madden and make that happen. That'd be a really fun roster to play with. So uh, anyway, fun idea there. How about Kansas City? They're the final team that I believe of the nine that has a legitimate shot to win a Super Bowl this year so far through six weeks of NFL football. Kansas City is three and three. They're probably not going to win their division. I think they're a wild card team. I think LA, the Chargers, win the AFC West, and then Casey gets in as a wild card football team. They still have Tyree Kill and uh, yeah, receiver Travis Kelsey at tight end, and then Patrick Mahomes, of course, at quarterback. And I ask you this: Everyone talks about how oh Kansas City's down. Woo. Okay, well, let me ask you this one question: If they make the playoffs as a wild card team, do you want to play? Kansas City in the playoffs if I, I don't have a favorite team but if I did there's no way I would want to play Kansas City I'm like ah can I have Tennessee can I can I have somebody else don't count out Kansas City just yet Mahomes has a couple extra interceptions so far this year okay I'm not too worried about it uh he's trying to bit do he's trying to do a bit too much I think part of that's because he can sense hey this team it's not as good as the last couple of years. He's trying to do too much, trying to make every play into a big home run. Uh, but also, like, the, the, the nuanced answer to that is it's not just that he's trying to do too much. It's also that's just his style. Patrick Mahomes is Brett Favre. Like, you got to look at him that way. And I, I think it's a mistake for anyone to criticize Mahomes for taking risks or being creative. Let the guy do his thing. It's good for football. And, I, like, it's not like he can't win. We all know we can, so I, I just would relax on the the panic button or the concern in Kansas City, like, oh, no, Patrick Mahomes. And I, I think in Kansas City, they're probably not panicking. Nationally, you see people criticizing Mahomes heavily. And I'm like, well, come on, guys. Like, let's slow down a little bit. It's not like he's been horrible. He's got a couple bad interceptions. Did you ever watch Brett Favre play football? Also coached by Andy Reid, the current Chiefs head coach. So, like, it's, there, there's a, a big connection between Brett Favre and Mahomes and, and Andy Reid there. Also, like, again, I, I just encourage you, like, you, you have to let the guy take risks. Sometimes they don't work out. 
Sometimes they do when you win a Super Bowl. So, like, I just, come on, calm down on the Patrick Mahomes concern. Anyway, those are the nine teams that I believe have a legitimate shot to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City, the L.A. Chargers, Green Bay, the Dallas Cowboys, the Buffalo Bills, the Arizona Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Baltimore Ravens, and, of course, the L.A. Rams. Those are the nine teams that I believe have a legitimate shot to win a Super Bowl. One of those nine teams, in my opinion, is going to win the NFL title when it's all said and done at the end of this year. I believe February 2022. All right, um, let's talk about NFL Week 7. We have reached NFL Week 7, and funny enough, there are seven games that I want to highlight as the most interesting games this weekend. Number one is the Atlanta Falcons at Miami. Atlanta is 2-3. and three. The Dolphins are 1-5. and five. And all week we have heard rumors about a potential trade with Miami trading for quarterback Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to give you any commentary on that trade. I don't... I, We'll we'll talk about that later if it does happen. But I'm really interested, given the conversation happening there, how does the current Miami quarterback to a tongue of Aloha play this week? He's a second-year player. It's a good game from him. Uh, I guess a good game from him would really help him a lot. Whether his future is in Miami or maybe he gets traded to Pittsburgh or maybe he goes to Houston. Like, wherever he goes. I, I don't know. Maybe he goes to Denver. A lot of people are saying maybe Tua goes to Denver. Uh, like regardless of that, certainly it could not hurt Tua at all to have a big game, throw like four touchdowns and 350 yards, something like that. So I just am curious, how does Tua play this weekend at home against Atlanta, given all the stories that are circling and, and the rumors swirling about Miami wanting a new starting quarterback? And I'm sure they're trying to make that trade happen because why else would we hear about it? And I think, I believe the reason why that rumor came out, by the way, is Houston said, huh? We're not getting very much in this trade from Miami. Let's put it out there, show that, hey, it's about to happen. Miami's going to trade for him. Anybody else? Anybody else have a better offer? And nobody does, I'm sure. But I think the reason why I believe that trade could happen is because I think Houston put it out saying we want more than what Miami's offering. So let's see if the awareness of this trade potentially happening gives us an even better offer from some other team. Game number two, it's Kansas City at Tennessee. The Chiefs are 3 and 3. The Titans are 4 and 2. Uh Tennessee has a good record. They might be a playoff team. Derrick Henry, their running back is a stud. Uh I'm interested to see how he runs against Kansas City. But I don't think that Tennessee is this great amazing team. They've got a bunch of problems, including like their secondary is a mess with the Titans. And if Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City cannot win this game against the depleted Titans secondary, then we officially will have something wrong in KC. Like I, I likely though, I believe Patrick Mahomes is just going to have a big day. They're going to win. But uh, if if the, the story here really is, if Tennessee wins, they're five and two, and if Tennessee beats Kansas City and makes Kansas City three and four, uh, a ugly losing record, three and four for Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs, then we can start having the conversation. Like, huh? How bad are things going? We're only seven games in, but we got a losing record, and it's ugly. So I think so far the criticisms of Mahomes have been a little bit like, like, come on, like relax. However, if they don't win this game, then I'm willing to start having the conversation like, oh, maybe things are going more sour than I thought. Game number three, Jets at Patriots. The big storyline here is they both have 
rookie starting quarterbacks. This is Zach Wilson for the Jets against Mac Jones for New England. Game is in New England. And for the first time, hopefully this is going to be the first of many matchups we'll see for years to come between Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. I believe, and I, I also hope, you know, I, I do believe that, but I also am I'm rooting for both of them. I want them to be franchise quarterbacks for each of their football teams. Now, the Patriots are a better team. The Patriots should win this game, probably by a lot, actually. Uh, but the Jets are coming off of a bye week. I wonder what they did during the bye week. I would imagine, hopefully, they spent a lot of the week self-scouting, trying to understand like how to make themselves better. And hopefully, they spent a lot of the week preparing for the Patriots. I am curious if having a bye week off will help the Jets make this game more competitive. I don't think it is, but I'm still curious because I like the quarterback matchup between Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. Game number four, probably the biggest game of the weekend. You have the Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens. The Bengals are four and two. The Ravens are five and one. It's a massive AFC North matchup. Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson. Do I need to say any more? Like, I, I can't wait for this game. It's going to be really fun, really exciting. The Bengals have turned their franchise around, and uh, I, I don't need to say much more. Like, just think about this is a, a, a huge matchup. A divisional rivalry between two great quarterbacks and two teams with good records. Game of the week. Bengals at Ravens. This will be definitely the game I highlight on uh, the first episode next week. Topic number one will be front and center, hopefully. Bengals at Ravens. Assuming it's going to be the great game. I think it will be. Game number five. Lions at Rams. Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff against their former football teams. Remember, they were traded for each other during the offseason. It was a lopsided trade. Matthew Stafford went to L.A., Jared Goff and a bunch of first-round draft picks went to the Lions. Personally, I expect Matthew Stafford and the Rams to embarrass the Lions like 35 to 10 or something like that. Matthew Stafford, I think, left pretty frustrated with his former football team, and he's going to be very motivated to, um, you know, kind of get revenge against his former team. Now, the other thought, though, is how does Matthew Stafford handle pressure? I I thought against Tampa— Earlier this year, like the biggest game he's probably played in in the regular season in years, I thought Matthew Stafford was underwhelming. So does the moment get to Matthew Stafford's head and affect him at all? I don't know. But that's a fun thought is, could that moment be a little bit big for Matthew Stafford? And can you imagine, think about this, can you imagine if Jared Goff got his very first win in Detroit on the road against the L.A. Rams and their former quarterback in L.A., Matthew Stafford. Can you imagine, sorry, the former quarterback in Detroit. Like, can you imagine that Detroit Lions fans are really, really frustrated with Jared Goff, their quarterback. They're like, we shouldn't have traded for this guy. We shouldn't have restructured his contract, all this stuff. But imagine if he became the hero and beat Matthew freaking Stafford on the road. And got revenge for Lions fans. Who, a lot of Lions fans for years were frustrated with Stafford going, ah, this guy, like, just there's a lot at play here. The, the narratives, the revenge, the storylines. I, uh, I bet no one's going to throw out the possibility of Jared Goff winning this week. And I don't think he does. But imagine the few people that will be very, very happy in Detroit if Jared Goff does beat Matthew Stafford, who forcibly left their franchise. Uh, uh, weird and fun. And that's the most unexpected storyline that would be unbelievable if it happened. Game number six, Colts at 49ers. The Colts are two and four. They're trying to save their year. And they, you know, they're war. They were one and four last week. Then they won another game. 
the Colts will not be at full strength for this game either. Braden Smith, their right tackle, is not playing. He's hurt. Starting corner, Rakyasin, is also out. A couple big losses, among others that are I'm not going to mention. Uh, 49ers rookie quarterback Trey Lance is inactive due to an injury. Kind of funny, like, huh? I did a film analysis of Trey Lance. It's interesting how when you use your quarterback as a battering ram, he doesn't like that very much. His body doesn't tend to respond very well to being used like a battering ram. I'm talking to you, Kyle Shanahan. The way you play, call plays for Trey Lance is really frustrating. Although, a lot of people are like, is it even real? Maybe Trey Lance isn't actually hurt. They just want him out of the game to avoid controversy so that there's no question that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play or not. They, they don't want, they're like, to avoid controversy, let's just keep Trey Lance off the field this game. That's a, a fun conspiracy. I don't know if it's true, but it is an interesting conspiracy theory. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a starter in this game for the 49ers. Does that help the Colts? It might actually be in their benefit. I don't know. Uh, although I thought that I think Jimmy Garoppolo does some stuff mentally that Trey Lance isn't capable of doing yet. And we saw that against the Cardinals in Trey Lance's first ever start. This is a must win game for the Colts. The Colts have to win this football game. How will Jimmy Garoppolo play? I don't know. It should be a good game, but the outcome has really big consequences for both sides in this game. And I want to say I'm get, bringing on a guy. Um, his name is Colts Law Lawrence. He talks about the Colts on the internet. He's coming on the show. Uh, I'm recording with him on Wednesday next week. We will definitely talk about this game in that long conversation. I'm really curious to talk to him and kind of do a debrief on how the first seven games went of the year for the Colts. So little teaser of that. That is coming next week. Game number seven, the final most interesting game in my opinion. Uh, although there's one other game I talked about. Um, uh, what's the game? The, anyway, it doesn't matter. L- let me look. There's one game that I, I haven't mentioned. I'm going to, I'm going to cut because there's something I want to look up. There's one other game. I said seven, but I'm going to give a bonus one before we get into the, the Monday night football game. There's some game happening this weekend where I'm like, I remember looking at it going, huh, that may not be a good game, but it is still interesting. Okay. Uh, here's the bonus game. I looked it up. The, the game that I, I this is going to be a bad game. I think it's going to be a blowout, but the Cardinals do play against the Houston Texans this week. Uh, the game is in Arizona, and I just think it's interesting because it's J.J. Watt against his former team. It's the J.J. Watt revenge game, and uh, again, not a good football game. I wouldn't put it as my top seven storylines, but maybe it is interesting because it is, it's J.J. Watt's opportunity to kind of get revenge and, and put a beating on the former team that he left and was not happy with. And uh, I, I'm really interested to see how J.J. Watt does against that that offensive line in Houston. Now, game number seven, officially. You know, I, I got gave you a fun bonus one. On Monday Night Football, you have the Saints at Seattle. I believe New Orleans wins this game. But Seattle has a shot. A lot of people are talking about this game being a blowout. Like, ah, we'll see. Seattle's backup quarterback, Geno Smith, is playing because and starting because Russell Wilson, the regular starting quarterback in Seattle, is hurt. And in the last two weeks, Geno Smith uh, coming in with Russell Wilson injured for one game, then playing against Pittsburgh last week. Look, he's not been amazing, but he's been competent. And so, like I said, a lot of people are predicting this game to be a blowout. I I think it's better than we think because of Geno Smith. And also, do you really like a lot of people are putting a lot of stock into Jameis Winston, the Saints starting quarterback. I'm still not at the point where I trust Jameis Winston to reliably give us a great performance week to week. So I'm like, well, let's slow down on the, the there's going to be a blowout narrative there. Now, one interesting story here is that Saints receiver Michael Thomas is not going to play. 
looks like he will not return until at least week seven, or sorry, November 7th against Atlanta, the Falcons game. So it's interesting that I, I thought Michael Thomas was going to be back in this game. Apparently not. That's another thing that brings New Orleans a little bit down closer to Seattle. Either way, I'm hoping for a really fun and close game on Monday Night Football. Uh, now, it's week seven. Here are the games, teams that have a bye week. The Bills have a bye week. Dallas has a bye week. Minnesota, the Vikings have a bye week. Pittsburgh, the LA Chargers, and Jacksonville. One, two, three, four, five, six teams all have a bye week this weekend. And uh, yeah, that's NFL Week 7 in a nutshell. The seven games I'm most excited for, plus one fun, unexpected, uh, unprepared little bonus game. J.J. Watt getting revenge against Houston. Okay, let's shift to New York. I, uh, I got a, I've got a pink cup today. My little pink cup. I, uh, let me ask, is it pink or purple? It's kind of like a, it's right on the border of both. And I'm curious what people will think. People give me hate, by the way. Like, why do you have a purple water bottle? Because it's awesome. I don't know. Sorry, I, I, I can have purple stuff. It's not like, I'm a dude, so I ha- I'm a dude who talks about football, so I, I can't have pink in my life. My bad. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a cup in my house. I really like it. It holds water. It's fantastic. I don't care what color it is at all. Anyway, I've been thinking a lot about New York recently, both the Jets and the Giants, and uh, I had a fun question pop into my head. The first thing I started with was, you know, which team would be better to be a fan of? Like, would you rather? That's a fun game. Would you rather? Would you rather be a Jets fan? Or a Giants fan. Like, which is worse, maybe? Which is better, also? I don't know. They're both, like, really not great. I wouldn't want to be a fan of either. Uh, and 1,000%, the Giants have had more good moments recently. Two Super Bowls, they beat the Patriots. They, they, they knocked off the undefeated 18-0 Patriots in the Super Bowl, you know, taking that Super Bowl from Tom Brady. That's, that's by the way, Boston versus New York in that game. I forgot about that a lot. It's really interesting. Forgot about that, the fact that it was, like, the equivalent of football's version of Yankees versus Red Sox. And uh, anyway, the question really is not just which team would you rather be a fan of, but the Jets or the Giants, which team right now has a better future? The Jets have a coach, rookie head coach, Robert Sala, general manager, general manager, Joe Douglas, and rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson. Joe Douglas has shown himself to be a smart general manager. I like him. I like the moves he makes. Now, both Zach Wilson and Robert Sala are unproven. But I believe in both of them. I think Zach Wilson's got crazy potential. He's early. It's early. He's young. Like, people are way too harsh with rookie quarterbacks. Give the guy some time. Like, clearly you can see. Go watch Zach Wilson every week. Does he make mistakes? Of course he does. Does he also make a couple plays every game where you're like, geez, if this kid can figure it out. He is. He'll make a throw where he's, like, running to his right, escaping a sack launching it deep downfield for like a 35-yard gain into a tiny window, and you're like, oh, imagine if this guy played for the Packers or had a good football team around him. Like Zach Wilson's clearly really, really talented. He needs time. Robert Sala, I love him. Great leader. Clearly like a good dude. His players love him. I got some friends who played for him in the NFL. They really, really like Robert Sala. They speak very highly of him. And, and by the way, not every player speaks highly of their coach in the NFL. Uh, so... While Robert Sala and Zach Wilson are unproven, I believe in both of them. And if the Jets really do have the quarterback, the coach, and the GM all figured out, then what the Jets have done is found three of the hardest positions to find in the NFL. Now, the Giants, on the other hand, have lost faith in their general manager, Dave Gettleman. 
every day I lose more and more faith in their coach, Joe Judge. He looks, it's bad. It's really, a, a lot of the, the stories of his, um, his style of coaching, we'll say, like the way he punished players, that kind of stuff. I'm like, that sounds like high school football. I'm like, well, we'll see. He had an okay year last year. No, no, no. It's not working. And I, I just, I don't have much confidence at all in Joe Judge. And then the quarterback in New York with the Giants, Daniel Jones, it's a mixed bag. It's not all bad. Uh, certainly, Daniel Jones, especially this year, has had really good moments where I'm like, oh, that's a really good game or two. Um, but then also, like, he'll have, like last week, he had a terrible game. And, and right now, uh, after NFL Week 6, I believe that the Jets, even though it sounds crazy, they're both one-win football teams, and the Giants have had more success recently. I believe the Jets have a better future than the Giants right now because the Jets have figured out coach, quarterback, and general manager, and right now the Giants have maybe a quarterback, and they're wrong on the general manager and probably wrong on the coach. So if, I, if I'm right now looking fairly at the Jets and Giants, probably better to be a Jets fan right now because your future seems much more secure and much more bright than for the New York Giants. Now, that could all change depending on who the Giants hire, what they do at quarterback, I don't know. But right now, today, the Jets have a better future than the New York Giants. And I don't know what the Jets can do or what the Giants could do to make them better than the Jets because that's how much I believe in Zach Wilson. Like, Zach Wilson is, I think, going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at some point in his career. And, uh, I just think a lot of people are, are not understanding how good Zach Wilson is and how, yeah, he's had mistakes, but Zach Wilson has shown incredible potential early on. And, like, remember, that was Josh Allen. Josh Allen's rookie year was ugly. But Josh Allen had flashes where you're like, oh, my gosh, that's a huge, amazing throw. So be patient. And uh, I would not lose sight of the trajectory Zach Wilson is on. When you compare him to... Josh Allen, you're like, oh, yeah, never mind. That could work really, really well in New York. Okay, let's end this show with this. It is currently 9.13 in the morning on the East Coast. So this is going to come out, like, right before college football happens. I don't, I don't know that you're going to, like, listen to this and go, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm excited, too. Maybe what you do is go, was that – maybe, like, you can play the game, play along. Because I was going to record this, you know, Friday morning. Now it's Friday – 3.13 a.m. on Saturday morning. Um, so, but maybe what you can do with this topic, I want to leave it in, is play along and go, what was Zach right about? Because we have reached college football week eight. It's not a crazy week. Like, number one, Georgia has a bye week. Number three, Oklahoma plays one in five, Kansas. Number two team in the nation, Cincinnati plays one in five, Navy. So, not a lot of amazing great games this weekend. But I did come up with five games that I find really, really interesting. Number one is Northwestern at Michigan. That'll be fun because the question is, can Michigan remain undefeated? They've got a big game next weekend against Michigan State in the Paul Bunyan trophy game. Uh, and by the way, Michigan State is also undefeated. They got a bye week this week. So we're, we're, we're kind of setting the stage for a really fun Michigan versus Michigan State game. But that really all hangs in the balance on. Can Michigan at home take care of Northwestern this weekend? And uh, I, I hope so. I'm rooting for that. Okay, number 25, Purdue is hosting Wisconsin. That should be interesting. Purdue is coming off of a big win upset over Iowa. Uh, Wisconsin's 3-3. Three and three. I was excited about Wisconsin's quarterback, Graham Mertz, going into the year. And I haven't watched a lot of him. 
So I, I, I don't have the context to what's happened, but I know the outcome's a bit bad. Uh, he's been disappointing with two touchdown passes and seven interceptions so far this year. I want to see how this game's going to go. I just am interested, can Wisconsin... You know, whenever you have a big win like Purdue had last weekend, it's easy to come up flat the next week. Like you're riding high and it's so emotional. And it happens all the time where a team has a big win and the next week loses to someone bad. Will Purdue take care of business at home against Wisconsin this weekend? I'm interested in that. Uh, number 10, Oregon plays at UCLA. It's Chip Kelly, the the LA Bruins head co- the UCLA Bruins head coach against his former team, the Oregon Ducks. Uh, could be a good game. Oregon's five and one. UCLA is five and two. Both have solid quarterbacks. Uh, I'm interested in Oregon at UCLA. Then you have Clemson at number twenty three. I almost said number twenty five. Number twenty three. Pittsburgh is hosting Clemson. I love Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett. I know some people who know him speak really highly of him. Uh, Kenny Pickett against this Clemson defense will be really really fun. It's a great quarterback against great defensive coordinator. Clemson D coordinator. Brent Venables is fantastic, and uh, I'm just I'm just interested in the matchup between Kenny Pickett and Brent Venables' defense. That'll be really, really fun this weekend in college football. The final game, game number five, USC at number 13, Notre Dame. I would be shocked if USC won this football game. Uh, but as always, I will be rooting for a friend of the show, USC quarterback, Keaton Silvis. I love the guy. I love his playing style. He's so much better than people give him credit for. And then uh, Notre Dame's a better team, so... Notre Dame being great, plus, you know, USC firing their head coach recently. I I don't see how USC wins this football game. However, I am interested. It's a fun rivalry game. It's a game they play pretty much every year. And uh, I think COVID screwed it up last year. But otherwise, I mean, pretty much literally every year, it's it's a fun game between Notre Dame and USC. And as always, it should be fun this year. So uh, I'm very, very excited and interested in this game, USC at Notre Dame. All right, guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. Uh, I've been talking for a little over 50 minutes. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. And up and um bum bam. Oh, before I go, go see Dune. Dune is on HBO Max if you are cheap, which I don't blame you. Like, it's 15 bucks to go see it. If you have the money, go see it in theaters, man. Dune is the kind of movie that, and they don't pay me to say this, although they should. Like, I really. I don't know why movies don't like, – I would love to have a movie sponsor this podcast. I think they realize maybe I'll do it for free anyway. But if I see a movie I love, I love to tell people about it. Dude, Dune, that movie is fantastic. And it's the kind of movie you want to see on a big screen, like in a theater. Because there's some stuff in this movie where you're like, that is a massive, massive thing that I am glad I saw like right in front of me on a big screen TV. So – on a, on a projected massive screen in a theater. So anyway, I, I cannot recommend before I go. I just had to, as like your friend, Zach Schaumler podcast host, I had to let you know, I cannot recommend enough. You go see Dune. It's not going to have a great, the ending is a cliffhanger. Um, it's think of it like fellowship of the ring and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like no one, the way Lord of the Rings, the first movie ended, no one was like, what the heck? They're like, well, no, it's, it's, part one of a a, a series right like this is a new franchise and not new dune is old dune has had many movies but this version of dune is like the people who were made it were like let's make the best dune ever and really like put our all our weight behind it they did that here and uh man i've I've literally been texting my all my family members go see dune in theaters it's fantastic and uh i wish they were sponsoring they are not but um Regardless, I love the movie they've made. It's it's really, really fantastic. And uh, 
I hope you go see it if you if that interests you. I just I can't recommend it enough. Anyway, I love you. I appreciate you. But um bum bam, we are done.